Hey! Gundam Maniacs, welcome to the Gundam Explained Show. I am your Gundam, Adam Gould. I think I had to say that. I just had to one day. Um, but no, uh, yeah, and joining me, Stephen from Midnight Hatter. Stephen, what's up, man? Not a lot, you know. Happy to join you. Um, thank you yeah. for having me on late notice. I know I was like, I think I texted you about 30 minutes ago and said, hey, what, what's, the, what's the story for tonight's show? Can I? Yeah. Can no, I, still I know because I wasn't too sure if you were going to be on or not, but I am so glad you were because, like, I think it makes it easier, especially it's almost like, you know, you know, like uh, Jamie on Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. So I could, yeah, you got to have I, a young I can, Jamie. I can claim something about Gundam and then I go, is that true? <laughs> hold on wait let me let me <laughs> look that up no, no, but that's but anyway cool to see people in the chat we've got our mod ian hansen who just bought the rising freedom gundam metal uh robot spirits which it's it's one of those things where it looks like a gundam but they designed it in a way that it's very noticeable like oh that's yeah. a new unique gundam um you know, even though they're all the same. And then uh, Johnny Tacoma, <laughs> hope Hatter is doing all right. Hatter, you doing all right? Oh, hey, cheers. I'm hanging in there. We'll we'll be all right. We're going to make it through this. <laughs> that That's good. Uh, Barry BB, Zionic Shadow playing some GBO2, living the dream. Amen, brother. Um, Let's see. And then Midnight Hatter, of course. Midnight Hatter. Of, no, I'm joking. Uh, Talos Mobius, <laughs> good to see you. Aoshi-san, good to see you. Well, cool. We'll we'll, uh, we'll get started here. So today, a couple things I want to talk about. One is if you saw that recent video I put up about the Gundam movie, um, I kind of want to talk more about that and the TV show, the live action. If that's, I'd love to talk about that. Speculate. Maybe we can do some more fan casting. That was that was part of the reason I was like, I can't miss the show. I was like, <laughs> I, when I saw that you dropped that video the other day, I was like, this is this is huge, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, and it's 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 almost like a too good to be true, and we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but also, um, I want to talk about the game, and I talked about it a little bit, but Gundam 3D Battle on the 3DS, it's absolutely amazing, and we'll talk about that shortly too. But I'm first, looking forward to that. I'm gonna put you on the spot, and I don't know you've had a busy week, but have you gotten into anything Gundam Gumpla related? Well, so I did. As you know, the, you know, P Bandai is always dropping these like re-releases and the recent re-release was um, included, like the, the new batch that came out included the Varguil, um oh, from Moon yeah. Gundam, yeah. which is one that I missed out on, on the first, on the first release. And so I had to jump on that, you know, oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I posted on discord about it. I was like, Hey, you know, if you guys want, it's your second chance to get the Varguil, which I think is an awesome kit. Obviously, yeah, you know, if you design. don't, yeah. And it's, it's so affordable. You know, you and I always talk about like the cost of Gunpla and the Varguil is like 24 bucks. It's, it's funny. dollars shipping. It's funny. Cause those neat suits that sometimes we're scouring on eBay, like when they drop on P Bandai, it, they're cheap. Yeah. And same thing for one of the other releases, which is going to be near and dear to my heart, is the 0088 version of the Zeta. Right which... on time. Barry BB <laughs> with the. Yeah. Now, I, I have to say, for Christmas, my brother actually was super clutch and bought me a 0088 Zeta. So I had one, but I'm not going to tell him that he can get it for $27 when he probably played, paid closer to 80 on it. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, um, but that said, 
I did pick up a spare one. So I might need to maybe, maybe just maybe when we hit 4,000 subscribers over on Midnight Hatter, we're going to be giving away one of these 0088 Zeta Gundams. So that is a great stay tuned for details on that. Great idea. But yeah, like you said, it's been a busy week. I haven't had a lot of time to get up to stuff, but today, obviously, it is the first, and so my Patreon perks went out today. That's right. It is the first. Your Patreon perks went out. Okay, cool. So yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, check out the stuff Steven has released, or if you just didn't know he had a Patreon, link's in the description for his channel. Check that stuff out. Because yeah, that's a good point. So when it comes to supporter stuff, uh, your stuff is releasing today on yours, and I just... Actually, I decided based on, you know, Ashley, our social media uh, expert, or um, there's a bad name for that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, she came up with an idea about doing a cosmic, it's called Cosmic Era. Cosmic Era. Yeah, Seed. The whole, like, she wants to do, like, kind of a deep dive of the world. Oh, uh, and so that I think that would be the next G-Watch for February. So any other supporters that know your Seed lore, uh, let me know. Um and we'll get a group together, whoever. And you know, no. what's kind of cool about seed is I always, I always think about seed as kind of like the star Wars prequels, because oh. you know how, you know, star Wars, obviously the original trilogy is fantastic. And it's the same with Gundam, like the original Gundam series, fantastic. But then like with the prequels, you get this very deep political drama and intrigue that's going on and you and i've talked about this before like during your first watch through of seed and seed destiny it's like this is very intensely political politically driven like seed is very much has the same energy as the star wars prequels have am am i speaking out of turn no i think you're right and i also think what george lucas was doing with the prequels i didn't appreciate at the time you know but through over time i've realized oh he's doing what in a way what gundam does good and that's being able to integrate political sort of intrigue within the the greater story without it bogging down things and i think the thing with the the prequels is there was too much talk about specifically trade federation trade routes to where we couldn't correlate the trade routing with space combat so it yeah i i think and the force so that made it so it's like george lucas knew what he was trying to do and that's why he was asking for other people to direct these films the, the prequels but you're right and i think seed is almost like that seed is dives into that a whole lot but even then sometimes it's too much i think it does a great job in destiny of doing it um, same here yeah. i mean especially just the story of mir campbell is like i mean that yeah. that's peak storytelling (laughs) also because each character has an arc but then it it somehow related to another character's arc that they're going on and it it, it's like one of those guy Ritchie movies where like everyone's kind of got different things going on and they all intersect at different points yeah lock socks um, snatch yeah um rock and roll is another good one oh yeah yeah, that, no, that's a really good uh, point. And that's actually why I'm sort of excited for this uh, Freedom movie because it's, one, I liked how Destiny played out and I liked the designs of the mobile suits. And then with, like, what the trailers and stuff we've seen of this new Seed Freedom movie, they do the kind of the CGI mobile suits, which I think look good because they almost make them look animation-like. Yeah, and, they're, they're getting better at that sort of dressing up 3D models to look like 2D animation, which yeah. is which is nice. 
So did you know they dropped a six-minute clip that was only available to watch in, I think, in Japan, maybe some other territories, and then someone – I'll have to drop it – oh, unless it is – in yeah i think it's in the discord the gun explain discord um i'll go have a look after this yeah yeah um it it actually looks great but the first six minutes are just action and it has the characters can't go wrong with that there yeah and the action looks great the mobile suits look great um and it does the thing i like where it's it's almost like the camera has this draw distance so you can see like the battle line of mobile suits moving forward and then all the firing it's like it's what i want out of mecha combat so you know i'm surprised that more um anime and cg filmmakers haven't tried to do some of the things that you see in traditional cinema like you know you think about movies like dunkirk is famous for having like that one long steady shot right yeah which I know is easier to do in CG or in a, a 2D animated movie, but like it would be cool to see those types of cinematic feel shots done, you know, tastefully in like a Gundam anime. Yeah, th and that's what I like about UC Gundam, especially Tomino stuff. He, I think he plans for that. He tries to make scenes look cinematic, which I think get lost. You know, I think Seed is known for mobile suits having those crazy poses. You know, that yeah. aren't, you know, it, I'm fine with it, but it's just funny how, like, you see Gundam does a good job of making, uh, other than the weird RX-78-2 animation sometimes, <laughs> but making the uh, robot look like a robot, you know, instead of a superhero pose. Um, yeah. Isn't that a joke, too, where, like, the landing of the superhero, where the hands on yeah, the Yeah, they did that in Deadpool, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, superhero landing, here it comes. It's like in Seed, that's what the mobile suits do. And it's, yeah. Yeah. They all um, have to do their Power Ranger, you know. Oh, yeah, all the, the stuff to set up. Um, yeah. Um, okay, King Dylan is saying it's on YouTube, so maybe someone reposted it because originally it go. was uh, locked for other regions, so that's cool. So speaking of Seed, what is really cool, out of the blue, Levi sent me this shirt, and it's got uh, – some more stuff on the back there. Ooh, um, look at that swag. Yeah, no, this is really cool. Um, and then th this this is going to be a challenge. Like, I need to be able to how how can I wear this and look cool? Well, I think you, the answer is in the question. Is you will look cool if you wear that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I'm I'm going to be wearing this tomorrow night on the date with my wife. At a fancy restaurant. There you go. Yeah. That that's a Valentine's Day date if I ever heard it. Like, <laughs> no, that, no, but it was really cool. They sent this stuff over. Apparently, like I think on the eighth or eighteenth, I forget that Levi's going to have a whole line of um, Gundam seed stuff, pretty much. And so, um, it's See, and cool people don't look. think about this kind of stuff. Like, you know, it's interesting the type of marketing moves that Gundam makes, right? Like. The partnership with G Fuel makes a lot of sense. You know, gaming yeah. Gundam has a lot of overlap. The Formula One partnership, that was one that was kind of, out of interesting. Like, you and I didn't yeah. understand it really well. But it was crazy because Ashley, she was like, yeah, Formula One, got it. They, like, yeah. Formula One Gundam makes sense. It, it's, like, perfect. Everyone, like, Japanese audiences love the race car drivers. They love this, like. And like I said, it, it's crazy because you and I didn't make that connection. And so now you have like, you know, what is I, I think Levi's is an American 
company, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So like Levi's partnership with Gundam, you know, t- to a lot of people that would seem kind of out of the blue. I, th- I think it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think especially using seed, even though, again, like I would prefer it being UC stuff, but you know what? I'm fine with the stuff that might be a little more popular, you know, uh, just to kind of get, you know, the Gundam name out there. Well, you know what they say on Twitter is that Seed saved Gundam, so. Uh, <laughs> it, it could have. <laughs> Knowing what came before it, not that it was bad, but it was just, you know, not, it, you know, I don't know. Because uh, I keep forgetting that a lot of people kind of grew up with that stuff. And sometimes if you don't have any other frame of reference, when you're seeing something like Gundam Wing, it's amazing. You know, like. it's it's funny because like you know and and this is one of the reasons that i think you and i both get along so well and kind of have a fun dynamic is that you know i kind of grew up on uc gundam and you got into gundam only you know four years ago or so yeah and we both kind of gravitated towards uc but yeah. there's a large group of gundam fans that are either in the same age group as us or just slightly younger that like literally grew up with Gundam seed and like, that's what they know as Gundam. And so it's very interesting to me, you know, I'm not one of those people that likes to really get down in the trenches and engage with like the, the Gundam fandom wars, but like, yeah, you know, (laughs) like I just, it's like, I like video games. I don't care if it's Xbox or PlayStation. Um, (laughs) So it's interesting to me to kind of see that dynamic play out. Right. Yeah, no, I yeah, I agree. It is very interesting because like what you brought up, yeah, when I got into Gundam very late, it's funny how after looking at all the Gundam stuff, I was just drawn to the UC stuff. And that tells me inherently it has its own tone. You know, it has its own thing, even though they're similar robots with spikes on their head. There really is differences in storytelling, designs, and it's neat that these Japanese creators were really able to keep that in mind as they were creating these new stories. So it's, it can be something else for someone else, you know? Um, So um, I want to get more into that in, in terms of like the movie stuff, we'll get into that a little later. A couple things I want to talk about real quick is this is not Gundam related, but the symphony of the night vinyl just came out. Um, oh, nice. I've been listening to this nonstop. It is amazing because I just beat the game again recently. I, I think I'd mentioned that before. Um, it's really cool because it has some cool artwork of the characters like Maria, Richter, Dracula. But the problem is Alucard just looks like a child. Um, <laughs> I know what they were going for, but yeah, it's eternal youth. I mean, come oh, on, yeah. you gotta. Now, I know they were trying to go for the more feminine looking, you know, slender, pale, but right there. There's that androgynous appeal. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love the artwork from that. It reminds me a lot of like my favorite uh, JRPG, which I don't know if we've talked about it before, but have you ever played Vagrant Story on the PS1? No, but I know what you're talking about. Yep. That, it's same, yeah. same sort of aesthetic. And um, Sidney Losterot, who's the villain of that game, very androgynous, obviously has a feminine name like Sydney. Um, but oh. yeah, has I'll those boyish that. looks. It's just funny because I purposely kind of skipped over JRPGs. Like, because I remember back in the day, like when Final Fantasy was first that thing, I'd play and be like, well, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I've pretty much kind of stuck with that. And I've never, never really got far in any JRPG. I think it's because I'm 
looking for mechanics over story, but I do understand sometimes story. Yeah, well, and I think that it's it's unfair to have these types of categories, and this is why you know I like I'm very much against like labels, you know, yeah, labels and things yeah. like that. Is like the the blanket term of JRPG ends up being applied to things that don't necessarily fit the kind of mold that you would think of. And Final yeah. Fantasy is a good example of that, like because I never the only Final Fantasy I ever played was Final Fantasy Tactics, which was like oh yeah. Yeah, I played like, that. That's actually the only one I've played through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was fun. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Vagrant Story is interesting because it's 3D and the combat is actually in a 3D plane. So it's almost more like a tactic style game or like oh. a, a G generation game where you actually move your units around the map. Okay. Of course, it's That's in a part 3D of the strategy. Space. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the part of the tactics is your positioning. And then, of course, the, the cool thing is that there's timing incorporated into that. So, like, if you don't move within a certain time period, then your enemies are going to move and attack you. And so it's like, oh, so uh, I highly recommend it to anybody who's dubious about JRPGs, because I think that it bridges the gap between that, like, typical turn based combat and like real time combat that Adam and I prefer. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, the art style is something, you know. Like, oh, it, there's there's something to that, and it, and it's funny because like with Castlevania, I think it was with Symphony of the Night, they started with that kind of art style, you know, the very classical, and then I think by the time they got to the DS on Dawn of Sorrow, they had to change it to anime, specifically because they said, oh, we have to get a wider audience. I find yeah, that get with the times, right? Yeah, like, but... ditch the papyrus and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but no, when in fact the older artwork, or not the older, but the Symphony of the Night era artwork is timeless, whereas the DS anime look looks like two thousands anime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. There's, stuff. there's something to be said there. Is like when yeah. you have that. There's an iconic art style that that is timeless versus you know keeping up with trends. Yeah, and so um, gaming-related, you know, I had mentioned before that I had downloaded the Gundam Battle 3DS to play in a DS emulator, and I was, or 3DS emulator, I was like, oh, this is a lot of fun. But one thing that I, I tend to appreciate from uh, the 3DS that I don't think a lot of people did was the 3D. Depending on the game, the 3D helped with that immersion. And for sure, for sure, this the Gundam game, it, it's it's that. And the developer is the developer that made the PSP and PS Vita battle games. So the third person combat. Yeah. Um, And so this was the last one of that kind. And this seems to have like, it's so refined. Not only does this look better than them by a lot. And the 3DS was actually pretty good for what it was like. It's lighting technology was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I love the controls. I love that. There's no HUD because the second screen is all that information. Um, and in it, when you play the game, when you choose your character, you choose if you want to be a new type or not. Because if you choose so to cool. be a new type, you can choose what your new type kind of uh, attribute is. And then while you're playing the game, you can pull off new type moves, like a faster boost, a faster, a harder swing. But if you're not a new type, you you the the character has specials too, but it's more old type. <laughs> you know it's, it's it's cool that they went about it that way yeah yeah I, I was i'm glad you brought that up because i was like i was just gonna ask you know so what's the benefit what's the cost benefit of choosing new type versus old type and you know what's the kind of trade-off that you get because when it comes to game mechanics those are things that you and i are always talking about is like you yeah. know 
there's always got to be you you don't want to make any option the obvious option right like, right exactly uh in you know it's it's interesting because the, the the whole game's in japanese there's a leveling up system which i just figured that out like uh, it, <laughs> and then there's um what it seems like too is if you choose a new type if you if you're in a gundam with some sort of psycho thing going on uh or psychomu system you can then use that leverage that um but i haven't tried as not a new type i'm just i just think it's cool that this game did that where you can yeah. do your because there's so many levels and it's and it's amazing because it starts from 0079 the beginning and it goes up through unicorn and wow yeah and you can unlock the suits it has transforming so if you're the zeta you can press a button to transform to the wave rider it has space and ground combat it even has it where there's multiple units that you're fighting against and multiple units with you you can ride on um the SBS or what are those called the subflight systems SF yeah, SFS SFS and the that other the giant gun thing that you can stand on I forget what it's Oh called. yeah the mega rider from yeah. double data yeah but it's cool that this game does all of that and it's on the 3DS and I think it didn't come out in the US so obviously people didn't know about it but it is a super competent Gundam game I, I like I played the PSP ones and I was playing this 3DS one and I was like you know what I got to go buy a 3DS and I bought a Japanese one <laughs> modded it so that it can uh yeah it's there's a couple things I did it's oh yeah I see you got the pistol grips on there it's like <laughs> yeah it because without it when I used to I used to have the Zelda uh, yeah. Majora's Mask and I I had to buy a grip because there's no way that I can play long sessions oh yeah you get it, so uncomfortable and so now question do you think that the 3d is essential to the gameplay because i have a 2ds because i didn't care for the 3d system like and again this is one of those things where it's like you and i definitely appreciate different things about video games and like i i chose to well i didn't buy a 2ds i stole my little brothers but (laughs) (laughs) but i have a 2ds do would you say that it would still play just as well on my 2ds as it does on your 3ds exactly just as well it's and it's so easy to mod i can give you instructions on that later it's so easy to do yes um (laughs) and that's exactly it the the 3d doesn't add any functionality benefit to the gameplay experience but for the atmospheric experience the way they do draw distance the way that i was in space and a musai shot a laser at me and i saw it coming i'm like oh my god and i dashed away and then it's like coming at the screen like it i loved that feeling because the space combat in the game is so fun because in the background you see all those explosions going on you have these the giant uh, their carriers are flying around and you ha- you can blow them up if you can or try to fight other it it's cr- so like this awesome. is a ge- like that style of game needs to be a triple a console release just make a a third person action game that's and oh, this is what's funny the same team made uh um sd gun and battle alliance that was their next gundam game after this interesting so the combat is there in the graphics, but the SD look is the thing that, yeah. Um, yeah, we always, uh, yeah, I know. We always bemoan the SD. But what was cool is, you know, from playing it again, it starts at 079. It actually plays the music from the shows. But that's it always also very cool. Very plays, immersive. Yeah. It, see, that's the thing. So 3D, listen to the music, but then it also plays the music from all the previous games. 
You know how like Gundam music shared and yeah, so it has everything. Like, That's the best part about like playing GBO two, and then you hear like one of those Zionic front themes yeah. kick on when you hit the ground. I know, and I love that in GBO two they added the option to um, uh, select yeah, what music change your you soundtrack. Want to play. Yeah, I love that. So I got to say, this is a great game that is sadly overlooked. I'm going to be doing a review on it, and um, you know, it's one of those things where. Yeah, you'd have to buy a Japanese 3DS and the game to get it. And the game's not expensive. I think it was $20, 20-something dollars. So I, you know, I will use ROMs and emulators when there's no other way. If this was like one of those $100 plus games and I didn't want a 3DS, maybe I would just stick with emulating. But I also wanted to get the 3DS because I, I was trying to emulate just DS games in general. And you know, I, you can do it uh, if you have two. Like I have a monitor below my monitor, so I was able to do it. But it's not the same, especially no. if you have to do touch controls. Like uh, Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrow uses touch controls. So. Now that said, I've got a um, I've got a Wacom Cintiq that's like you know one of my drawing tablets, and so when I oh, do yeah. my 3DS emulation, like for instance, you know I'll do like Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time 3DS, like the remakes. I'll play it all on one screen over here and like use my, my pen to do the touch screen. Oh, so you've <laughs> done that. Yeah. It's, oh, um, cool. it's, it's not as fun as having the handheld, but yeah, I mean, it's possible. There, there are ways to do it. <laughs> hey, JB, I need to then hook up with you because I've got, I actually own operation Troy. I got it working on nice. a, uh, emulator. But I, it it does a thing where depending on where I turn, everything turns black. So I'll need to get with you later, maybe if you can kind of help me figure out how to get past that. Um, because yeah, the Operation Troy is the one where you start as a soldier on the ground, you know, with your Federation arms, and then like you'll see the mobile yeah. suits and they land and like oh, that's that's just now you want to talk about immersive. That's yeah, all this stuff would have done so well in the U.S. I think. You know what I mean? Like these are like games that U.S. or English speakers would love to play. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think that these all kind of came out during that sort of dark age, right? Yeah, exactly. Where, uh, yeah, in in. But it's funny because every once in a while they would port something, and it's like, or translate something's like, well, why this game? Out of all of the games that you could port over, yeah, I don't know. Um. Anyway, yeah, I'll get uh more into the 3ds uh one later so what i want to talk about now is when i because what happened was first i was doing research on the freedom movie because i was like you know i really want to see this what information's out there and that made me be like what's going on with this jordan vote roberts live action movie and so i did that search on i went to his imdp page and it said he's directing it but it's called gundam one the live action movie like interesting it's very interesting that even the synopsis was in a way explaining what happens at side seven right side seven is yeah that, is that the right colony sometimes yeah, side, side three th is the zeon one side seven is the okay it, yeah where where amuro was yeah because in in the synopsis or the summary it's saying that zeon invaders so that could be where they change up or they're just wording it like that to make a quick, easy to understand summary, even though, because, you know, they weren't really invading 
they were more of snooping for something. Yeah. You know, um, so anyway, well, like, how would you describe a new hope to someone? Right. Like, would you. Like, how would you describe the idea of like, OK, without the context of like the greater empire and stuff, all you have are these stormtroopers landing on a planet and murdering some kids, parents. Yeah. Well, adoptive parents. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's interesting because it kind of starts where it's it's about a rebellion in an empire, but then it focuses on a farm boy. Yeah. And you can almost say the story is about a farm boy that gets thrust into an adventure after his parents get murdered by the galactic authorities or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Like, or his, so, yeah, not his parents. Yeah, in a similar way, like if you were trying to exclude the con the greater context going on in Gundam, you know, you just have these Xeon guys showing up on a colony. Yeah. Killing a whole bunch of people. And then this, you know, maybe not a farm boy, but like a little tech head boy uh, gets called up to action. Yeah. In what's interesting then for the TV show synopsis, it, it worded it as if people in space got tired of being suppressed by earth. So they're fighting back, mm. which, so it's, so here's my thought. If they're calling the movie Gundam one live action movie, and it even says in there that the point of the movie is to be a close adaptation, or that could have been someone like me that went to edit IMDB and was like, I want this to be an adaptation, <laughs> but it's, that's true. It, so that makes me think, okay, then there will be a Gundam two. There'll be a Gundam three. So then what yeah. would the TV show be? Here's my idea. And it's what I came up with before anyone else. <laughs> you make the original 079, the movie trilogy, and then you make the TV show Zeta. Mm. That, I think that's because the way the synopsis is for Zeta, for the show, you could say that Zeta. You, you could. Um, but uh, because they're they're because they frame it as if Earth is the bad guys in a way. Yeah, and that's the Titans. So I, I think that would be the best way to go about it. Or it could be where they have the movie trilogy and then the TV show is just something else during that time frame. Which is kind of like Wing. Like Gundam Wing has the same sort of thing where Earth is the bad guy. Like the Earth Sphere Alliance are the bad guys, and it's the colonies rejecting yeah. the Earth Sphere Alliance. So I mean, there's definitely a oh what if. There, what if that's what they do where they make a wing live action show, but then the 079 movie, that would be the way to please all the fans. Because that's <laughs> because what you said right there is exactly what he said. They're trying to figure out a way to please everybody to, and uh, you know that, yeah, that would be, in, but okay. Another thing. So legendary pictures is the one that's making this Gundam movie in the TV show. They also make the Godzilla vs Kong movies and the Monarch TV show. So they're already used to making these kind of bigger CGI movies and the TV show that goes along with it. Now, I'm going to I'm going to call you out on this because they also are responsible for Enola Holmes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although I liked that. I'm just, no, I actually liked the first Enola Holmes movie. I thought it was a kind of fun twist, like to have Henry like, Cavill. hey, you know, there's a third um yeah, there's a third Holmes, Holmes. sibling that happens yeah. to be a detective as well, but she solves like, you know, it's almost like the Hardy Boys or um what, what am I thinking of? Like the the girls teenage detective agency that Am I thinking of like the babysitter babysitter club books or something like Maybe. that? Maybe, but that is that is a thing. 
So yeah, but that's the thing, and and I think that like the first movie was fantastic. The second one was kind of kind of lacking. I didn't see the second, but, but everything about the movie on paper would be, and that's why I think I liked it, even though I thought the story was boring. The pacing, yeah, the story, but like the actors they had involved, like the idea of Henry Cavill being Sherlock Holmes, like that mm-hmm. that needs to be its own movie, not just uh, you know like. <laughs> Even though he is coming out with another movie. I mean, it's funny. It's funny to me that like Henry Cavill being wasted on um, films and franchises that are intended to be flops is really unfortunate. (laughs) Like and the fact that they're not using him as James Bond, like that should have just happened, even if it was just a one off. Yeah. Have Guy Ritchie do. I mean, James Bond. To be fair, like, you know, I don't think that he was a terrible Geralt. I, I do prefer the Geralt of, you know, the Witcher 3 video game. I thought he had a little bit more charisma. He was a little bit funnier. But, um, you know, I don't think that Henry Cavill was the problem with that show by a long shot. No, you know what? I didn't watch that show. I never never got into Witcher, but I, I like him. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot he could do, even with the way he looked in Witcher remind me of Alucard in Castlevania. Yeah. All There's th- one thing that you can't accuse Henry Cavill of, and that's like not caring. Like he, he gives everything to whatever role he's doing. Yeah. Like whether it's, you know, Sherlock Holmes as a side character or, you know, the, the, the bad guy in one of the mission impossibles. And I think, Oh like, yeah. Ooh. With his little uh, arm reload yeah. move. <laughs> and the man from uncle where he played kind of a James Bond character anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, I'm he's looking great. forward to seeing that Argyle movie with him, but um, oh. but yeah, sorry, we've we've gone off on no, a crazy tangent. Listen, to this Rowan Atkinson <laughs> should be a James Bond. Now, he well, I, I guess he's, he wants a serious role. So you mean seriously? Because I know he has the he has the movie. I forget what it's called, but he's like a James Bond. I forget. What oh it's yeah, called. Um, Johnny English. Johnny English. There right. You go. It was kind of like a Austin Powers type deal. Yeah. 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 Um, but. I, that would be cool, Rowan Atkinson doing something uh, uh, serious. Yeah, I, I think well, he Rowan has. Atkinson's a very. Um, have you ever seen Rowan Atkinson's stand up? No. He's he's a very. Rowan Atkinson reminds me a lot of like a Robin Williams type type character, where it's like you know he always plays these types of funny roles in movies and stuff, but he he's a very thoughtful, sensitive, like intelligent guy, and uh. you get that from his stand up. Yeah, it's like he's a cartoon character. Yeah. Like Robin Williams would do that where it's like there's a little act here, an act there, depending on the situation. Yeah, I love Mr. Bean. I I, I haven't watched it in a while, but that's that's one of those shows you can just watch. Oh, just, yeah. Just watch it. Yeah, it, that's crazy. Um, Okay, well, thanks, uh, JB, for the uh, that info there. Zenia? I'm going to have yeah. to copy, paste. <laughs> uh, so then I can do this later because I wanted to play through Operation Troy. And um, look, I'm just gonna confirm for those that are watching is I have a screen share going on. I can literally see him copying and pasting this text. It's, it's yeah. not. It's... <laughs> Thank you. That's gonna be very helpful. Um, no, no. Operation Troy should be on modern consoles. Yeah, it's what everyone wants. Where you're on the ground, you jump into. And I hate to say this, but it looks better than gbo2 when it comes to being on the ground and then going into a mobile suit <laughs> no that, that's one of the things that like you know gbo2 is definitely designed around the mobile suit combat when you get out of a mobile suit 
even just the character models, the way that the pilots move around, they look like little rubber. <laughs> yeah, it's like how the camera is fixed, right? To based on the movement. Like yeah. that's a thing games either get or they don't. There's there's like two aspects. How, where you fix the camera based on their animation. Yeah. Sometimes it just looks odd. Um, um okay, so you know, back on this movie thing, because the other thing I thought was interesting was Jordan Vote Roberts directed a movie called, uh, I totally forget, like American Ham or something that starred, yeah. or it was like a stand-up. And it, it starred, was a stand-up special. Yeah, Ron Swanson. Um, Nick Offerman. Uh, yeah, Nick Offerman. Which is the best idea. Everyone has already come up. This is not my idea. This is everyone's no, yeah. idea. Oh, see you, Dan Vince. But, hey, um, cheers, buddy. The idea of Nick Offerman as Rombo Rawl. And yeah. like that totally works. Both just seeing him in Parks and Rec, you know, he could pull off that character because Ron has that charm on top of his seriousness, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and the, the nice thing about Ron Barral is that he's not a particularly like physical character. So it's not like you don't need Nick Offerman to be this like physical stud. He doesn't need to throw Amaro around a room or anything. Right. And that's one of the things that I love about the goof pilots from Mobile Suit Gundam series is like you've got Norris Packard and Ramba Rawl. Oh, yeah. And they're both these like dad bod style guys. Older, like they're smarter, they're wiser. older. Yeah. They don't seem to have that like energy of an evil genius or like someone that's younger that wants to get ahead. They seem to be more like they know they don't can't necessarily make it as a leader, but they kind of can as supporting the troops around them and exactly it's, it's really good uh again good writing by yoshiyuko tomino and then good casting it's right there just, just do it um, yeah um but yeah if you haven't seen that stand-up special american ham um it's fantastic nick oh. offerman is a is a funny guy and his relationship with his wife um oh, yeah. megan Mullally is yeah. one of the most wholesome marriages in hollywood uh you you very very rarely get to see these types of relationships play out in hollywood where a couple stays together for like decades and just genuinely loves each other for a long time and, and it affects uh, Nick, their art yeah cuz how cuz him and his wife were in parks and rec playing kind of like opposites and it's hilarious like they know how to play off each other oh yeah absolutely it's fantastic yeah. Yeah, you know, that that is kind of a cool idea to think about. Like, whenever you're casting a movie, it's like, okay, if we need these two roles, are there people that already know each other well or they're related already? You know what I mean? To kind of be like, okay, these people know how to play off each other, you know? Like, if I was going to make a comedy and I want Ryan Reynolds in it, it's like, Ryan Reynolds, who's a friend of yours? And it could be, you know, the guy from uh, Always Sunny. And it's like, you already know they're friends. That would make a good dynamic in a movie. Um Exactly. And that's why you have those types of comedy troops that always stick together, right? Like um, Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, Jay Baruchel, like oh, yeah. that whole crowd right. of Canadian actors and, and voice actors that, you know, they just they vibe with each other. And even if maybe one of them is not perfect for a given role, the chemistry that they bring to the table with their co-stars makes it so that it lands. Yeah. And uh I agree with that. I, I, 
that's why those movies are fun and they don't make them too much anymore. I think because maybe cost or whatever. It, it's very interesting. I think both movie industry, video game industry is going through this huge change right now where a lot of it has to do with money. Of um, course. But here's something neat that I find neat. So Ben Schwartz, who does the voice of Sonic in the Sonic movies, he's also in Parks and Rec, and he's hilarious. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was so good. Um, but he also, I found, I stumbled upon these episodes of Game Grumps where he's like playing through Castlevania games and just crushing them. Yeah. It's it's so weird how like me and him could be best friends. Like if he ever wanted to join this podcast, sorry Stephen, but it would be him and I, and you know, yeah. whatever. Maybe bring on Jenny Slate to once every once in a while to be Mona Lisa Saperstein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. No, and yeah, no, he he's he's fantastic, and you know the things that he brought to the Sonic role were great, and he really does. Um, yeah, he knows I mean, how he, to do the. He's part the, of that culture. He's yeah, not, exactly. Um, That's what I was. Thinking. A, a lot of people complain when you know you have a guy like, you know, I don't want to name names or anything, but um, uh, what was the guy that played Th uh, Thanos? Um, oh yeah, I know you're talking about. I think of his yeah. name. He had a dad that acted too. Yeah, right. you know, he also took up the role of Jonah Hex, which was another oh, comic yeah. book movie that was terrible, and he even went on the record as saying, like, "Hey." I'm only taking this role because I know that the script is so bad. There's nothing I could do to screw it up. Oh, <laughs> it's like, so, you know, he's one of those types of guys. And so to bring it back kind of full circle is like, you have guys like Henry Cavill, you have guys like Ben Schwartz that really love the content that they're creating for. That's right. right. Yeah. They, you know, Ben Schwartz is a gamer. He played Castlevania. He voiced Sonic. Like he brings that passion to what he's doing. Henry Cavill, same thing. He's the one rolling around the Witcher series with his uh with his copy of The Witcher, telling everybody that this yeah. is how it should be. When you have a guy like um like Josh Brolin, thank you, King Dylan, that oh, uh you. that doesn't care about what they're creating for they don't care about the franchise they don't care about the story it's very apparent when they when they are yeah. part of it <laughs> it's true and sometimes it's all you need you know to like get everyone else excited um as you know as we were talking about ben schwartz i was like he could be Azan gable <laughs> the, you know <laughs> or not oh, no, we just hear blonde <laughs> he definitely has the height of the hair for sure. Did you did you see that movie Renfield? No, I didn't. He played a bad guy in it. Oh, did he? Yeah. I, I bet he nailed it. Yeah, he did because I mean... it's almost almost like his character Jean Raphael, almost because <laughs> he's almost like a spoiled kid, but he's still bad doing bad stuff. So, um, but yeah, um, oh yeah, King Dylan bringing up how now uh, Henry Cavill is still going to work on that Warhammer either movie or show. Yeah. That's funny because Warhammer is something I've never been into except for the games. But yeah, for a here. movie, heck yeah, that looks like that would be an awesome movie. Um, just seeing the CGI stuff in the Dawn of War games, you know, the beginning CGI. Um, but, uh, you know, I wonder if this and I can ask chat here and someone already said Chris Pratt. That could be for everyone. But if we were to recast. Now that we know that it could possibly be a Gundam UC, a 079 movie, 
who would we now cast now that Timothy Chalamet is probably too old for Amaro? <laughs> now, well, now just to clarify, um, is IMDb IMDb is one of those platforms that like anybody can edit, kind of like Wikipedia, right? Like they have a moderating team, but anybody can post. From what I understand, yes, but also I've heard because I follow a lot of movie news that like that stuff is looked at carefully. It's pretty heavily scrutinized. Okay. Yeah. So part of me thinks because maybe a lot of English speaking people don't care about Gundam, it's easy to sneak something into the IMDb. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe when it has to do with a company like Legendary Pictures, who, you know, they make a lot of movies and I think they do it at moderate budgets because they haven't had a lot of issues lately in terms of production. So I would think maybe they are monitoring that stuff. Um, I, you would think so, right? Out of everyone that's involved in the production, they're going to see what's on IMDb. And yeah, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it's very interesting stuff. It'll um, be corrected next week if uh, if not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, actually, I want to see top what are, so top actors uh, of like twenty twenty four. Although it just started, because right. I'm trying to think. What are some actors like I, I'm looking at like Killian Murphy, Paul Giamatti, Bradley Cooper, Jeffrey Wright, all of those could have a role in a Gundam movie and, and be awesome. Maybe it's just they all seem too old for the roles. That well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, OK, this would have to be someone that's like the, the upper like Zabi family or um, Federation officials like General Revel. Yeah, because you're right. A lot of the the actors that we all know and we know what they could do, it's because of seeing them do it for so long because now they're old. Right. But a lot of the main characters in these Gundam shows are young. So um, it makes it tough. But, you know, typically, like, obviously, like 30 year old actors are, are famous for playing like 17 year olds. So, yeah. And I <laughs> and I think that could. Well, so, yeah, I wonder if one of the Stranger Things kids would be like an Amaro. Like, I wonder if that's the direction you go, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that that's probably what you're going to be looking at is something like that. I still think Patrick Wilson needs to be bright, even though he's like 30 years older than bright. <laughs> like, he looks exactly like him. And I think he he definitely nails that role. If you've seen any of, like, the Insidious movies, yep. like, he definitely has that aura of, like, I'm the guy that's in charge. I'm the one that's going to... He has know, range. Kind of, yeah he's he is he has range and i and it's pretty cool because i think those horror movies he does a bunch of them he produces them now because i think he first he did it just as a job but then it's like oh this is like a successful way that i can continue to get, get some income and then do other movies like aquaman and get a, <laughs> a lot of money probably um, <laughs> a few extra bucks um yeah I, I and i'm just i'm trying to wonder like they're trying to think I almost feel like, and I think this is a true thing with Hollywood, we're almost like getting out of stars. You know, we're like, it's less about movie stars. I don't watch a movie just because Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. You know? I think Anthony Mackie said the same thing about like the MCU during a panel oh, at yeah. one of the comic cons. I think we've talked about this before is like Anthony Mackie said that like the age of the movie star is over. Like you don't go to see the next Stallone movie or the next Schwarzenegger movie. You go to see the next captain america you go to see the next like the character and um yeah i think that there's there's definitely some truth to that 
And one of the things that the MCU has been good at, it, you know, obviously they've not been great for a couple of years ever since Endgame, like keeping yeah. audiences interested. But one of the things that they've been really good at is taking either like mid-level or comedy actors and elevating them to dramatic roles that put them in a the light of a of you know an a-lister right like no one would have thought chris pratt could be a leading man in an action movie i know after you see him in parks and rec yeah or or, i mean even go further back and he was on the oc as like a stoner burnout like all that that's interesting but i think that makes sense though because a lot of time what it is it's almost like play you know like they're playing more than not that they're not taking it seriously. You get these thespians, these actors that went to acting school and it's more mm-hmm. of a technique, but then you get these actors that like to play and goof off and they're playing. They're like, okay, I'm going to be this. And it's almost like they enjoy, okay, I'm this lead hero and this is how I'm going to be the lead <laughs> hero. You know, yeah. like we all want to do. And um, yeah, I think that's neat. Like, you know, that's the one thing. Uh, I might get a lot of crap for this, but you know, like I think Hugh Jackman does a great Wolverine, but I yeah. think they could have found someone better. Probably. It's Probably. Just, Hugh, Hugh Jackman's a great actor, but he in, but they didn't, I don't know. It didn't feel like it had, not that it needs to be campy, but more of this. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to get at, but uh, I think my, no, take no, is I'm, I'm with you. Um, but, you know, like we said, in, in much the same way where an actor who doesn't take things seriously can really drag a movie down, an actor who does take things seriously can really elevate a movie. And I think an example of that that you and I will both agree with is Peter Weller in RoboCop. Oh, you know, yeah. this was supposed to be like a stupid satire movie, like full of like boobs and guns and drugs from the 80s. And Peter Weller comes in and he's like, I'm method acting as RoboCop and I will not respond to the word Peter. I am either Murphy or Robo. Like, did he do that while they were filming it? Yeah. So for the first two weeks, wow. Peter Weller would not. Ref- <laughs> and it's funny because, That's you know, awesome. you had guys like Miguel Ferrara who had known oh. Peter Weller for like 10 years. Like they'd both been in movies together prior to that. And he's like, hey, Pete, you know, you're doing all right. And he's just like, Pete, oh, hey, he was like, I do not know Peter. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love that. that. That because, yeah, that's like an actor that's like, I want to be this or I need to show this role. And I need to live this role. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's 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 cool stuff. So, yeah, Peter Weller. Could, but then again, it's like, yeah, everyone is young in the Gundam movie that we would cast, even though they almost look like they're older and they're probably voiced by people that are older. And definitely almost definitely, but you know what? That actually brings up a good point. And I wouldn't mind if for this Gundam live action movie, they did that. They're like, well, we're going to change the ages of everyone. Maybe just age them up a little bit. And, and I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. I wouldn't. I mean, if you aged Amaro from 15 to like 18 or 20 and he's like, maybe just an in well it's funny because in in the novel version he is like an enlisted cadet he's not just a random civilian and so i think that that probably would play into people's sensibilities a little bit more but i wonder if that doesn't change the context of like what it means for people to be like 
Because like I'm trying to think of like military movies. Like, can you imagine if Jake Gyllenhaal in Jarhead, who is having the same mental breakdowns as Amaro and you know his commanding officer, saying like, "Just get in the Gundam," you know, it's like yeah, that that's true. That is a good. That is a interesting part that makes Gundam interesting is Amaro's age, especially when he has to go through that teen angst where it's like you know everyone's kind of bossing him around, but not really like seeing how he is. You know, and then he's dealing with all that and then wanting to run away. You're not going to get that from someone older. So no. definitely Amaro. You would have, the, the audience would have less sympathy for them. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And yeah, they would have to. Um, yeah, but I could see them maybe aging up bright just a little bit. Yeah. Just to get Patrick fine. Wilson to do it. Man, that would. <laughs> I, I don't know. He looks just like. Yeah, I think Patrick nail. Wilson would nail that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to your point, I mean, what what have you got? Like the actress from Stranger Things, um, Timothy Chalamet is a little bit older now. I wonder if they would try to cram in that kid from um, that that played the Joker, Barry Keoghan, oh, the yeah. Irish actor. He's kind of a young up and comer that's been really popular lately. Um, but I don't know a role that would really suit him. Yeah, he does have an interesting face that could be Yazan Gable. <laughs> I don't know. We're just everyone's Yazan. <laughs> <That's... laughs> well, no. um good. No, this this was good. I, this was a fun talk. I'm I'm yeah, we're getting here near to the end. I'm just excited about where they're gonna go with this Gundam live action movie show. It looks like there's new news about it. That's what I've mainly been wanting to cover with this channel like when I started it. So, like, I can't wait when all that stuff comes out because I'll be breaking down the trailers. Now, Jonathan Vaught Roberts is also um, going to be doing the Metal Gear Solid movie. Yeah, it, it, that's another one that's on there. It's showing that, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's handled a lot of, or, well, that's slated to handle a lot of really big franchises. But I, I don't understand how that works because, like, the last thing he did was Kong Skull Island. I have to get that right. And mm -hmm. uh, and before that, not much. So it's very interesting. Maybe yeah. it's just like one of those things where Legendary just likes working with him. Maybe he's just easy to work with. I think that happens a lot. If directors know how to be on time, wrangle people, get things done under budget. Yeah. Take notes, people. This is like good career advice. Is like being easy <laughs> to work with is more important than the quality of work you do. Exactly. By far. <laughs> yeah, because if you don't do good quality work, if you're easy to work with, someone's going to help you. Yeah, uh, that's I've learned that. Um, but anyway, um, we'll end with from uh, Gerger Girag. I'm sorry, man, I am butchering your name. Zerkov is saying Steven Spielberg uh, should come on board. Steven Spielberg, huh? <laughs> well, with that, should I should I end with my famous story about Steven Spielberg? Yeah. yeah. So I infamously. Uh, ruined a shot for Steven Spielberg. Wow. Have you guys heard this story? No. Okay. So I was an extra in the movie Lincoln, which was shot in my hometown um, many, many years ago. Uh, I was playing the role of a Union soldier, and um, I was instructed, me and a compatriot of mine were supposed to walk across the camp during one of Lincoln's speeches. It was uh, during the speech where he's giving in the rain. 
And, you know, just as a background shot, they've got the extras kind of walking across the camp and stuff. The assistant director said, hey, when you guys get to the other side of the camp, there's going to be another assistant director there that's going to tell you where to go. And then you're going to go back across. Well, when I got there, there was no assistant director. And so my compatriot and I fell in with the nearest crowd of soldiers that was walking. And it happened to be one of the um, all African-American platoons that was with the Union Army. And so two of these things did not look like the rest. And I heard from the tent outside in the rain, Steven Spielberg yell cut because we were in the background ruining the shot. Wow. So we had to do it again and be be assured that there was an assistant director on the other side of the camp that when makes... I was walking the second wow. time. <laughs> wow, that's an amazing story. That is really cool that you could tell that. Are you able to see yourself in the movie? There's only one scene where you can kind of roughly see me and it's uh during one of the scenes with uh what's what's the kid's name? Um I didn't see Lincoln from probably should he was in the batman movie and in inception um the kid from 500 days of summer who am i thinking oh of? yeah man my my brain is going out the window yeah uh, jo uh joseph gordon levitt, gordon -Levitt. Yeah. yeah really cool yeah really so cool. there's one scene with joseph gordon levitt where where i'm in the background that you can actually see me but wow Love it. That that's a really cool story. Um, so yes, don't get Steven Spielberg for this movie because I will one hundred percent ruin the movie for you. <laughs> uh, and I hate to be that guy, but like, there's only some things of Steven Spielberg I like, but I do think he set a tone that a lot of filmmakers then copied from late seventies, early eighties. Even his first movie, the with the truck, I forget what it's called, Drive or something. It's the truck that's like chasing someone i forget what it's called you got to see it and then he did like the second or third episode of columbo also so yeah anyway hmm. that's about it um for this episode this is a great time glad you were here uh glad to hey, see everyone in the chat me. love talking gundam stuff but um yeah until next time guys have a good weekend have a good day we'll talk later